Welcome to the Awake Podcast. This is Noelle Yates, and I'm so glad you have joined me today, and I'm happy to have this time with you. You know, I've been doing some reading recently and and found a lot of interesting information that maybe you've seen as well on the millennial generation. And there's been lots of studies surrounding that generation, some with findings on the narcissism and the selfies and all of that we've heard, some with findings on unemployment or student loans. But I think what struck me as the most interesting finding is how much information there is about how the millennial generation wants to change the world more than any other generation. Now, my son is a millennial, and in just the next week or so, he is going to be graduating from high school. And believe me, it's giving me all the feels. In fact, I feel like every conversation, every talk I have worked on recently, it all sort of leads back to my son graduating from high school and what a... a, how much this is going to change my life. And you know, I've worked hard for the last 18 years to instill things in him, Uh, things like selflessness and empathy and kindness and love. And while all those things are necessary, I'm finding that in this final hour before sending him off into the world, that maybe there's a few more things I'd like to instill in him. And I think what I would really like for him to know is that if he is like the typical millennial and wants to leave his mark on this world, then there are actually four important things that I think he's going to need. And here they are. Discomfort, anger, tears, and foolishness. Now, those, don't, those things don't sound too great, do they? I mean, I don't think I'm going to find a meaningful graduation card with that theme and with those words on it because they all sound really negative. They're not very hopeful and inspirational. So give me a minute and let me explain because even if you're not a millennial, I'd like to believe that if you're listening, you want to change the world in some way too. So stick with me. I'm going to explain why I believe you need this arsenal of awful things to really make a difference. So we'll start with the first one, discomfort. Discomfort is defined as uneasy, anxious, embarrassed, maybe even a slight pain. So discomfort should be just that, uncomfortable. And when we look at the needs of our world, it should make us a bit uncomfortable. I've always loved this quote um, attributed to Princess Diana that once said, you can't comfort the afflicted without afflicting the comfortable. And this past year, I think I've learned that more than ever because as I have championed the cause of freeing girls from the sex trade, I have found that this can be a very polarizing topic, one that is not always welcome, and I have been met with resistance because it makes people, well, uncomfortable. And it's not appropriate dinner table conversation. It's deemed seedy and vulgar and not what proper ladies should speak of, especially in the company of men. But maybe, just maybe, it's going to take a little discomfort to move us and get things done. But not just discomfort alone, a restless discomfort, one that makes it nearly impossible for us to sit still because after our eyes are opened and once we allow the discomfort to seek in, I think a healthy anxiety should follow that makes us makes it impossible 
for us to do nothing because a restless discomfort makes us act. And to me, that's the true definition of compassion because pity can see and even feel, but compassion touches the need. Compassion always requires action. The second thing, anger. Now, as a parent, the last thing I want to do is raise an angry child or send an angry child off into the world. So our common definition of anger is not what I mean here. But when our anger is directed at what angers God himself, then I think we can refer to that as a holy anger. In the Bible, we don't see Jesus angry simply for the sake of being angry, but we do see him display anger when faced with sinful behaviors and injustice. And I believe in a loving God who meets us right where we are, but I also believe in a God full of holy or righteous anger over the injustices in our world. And I think he expects that same righteous anger from me. Uh, Bill Hybels has spoken and written about this. He calls it a holy discontent. And I have felt this holy anger or discontent in my work around the world as I have watched children dying from the effects of dirty water or refugees with no place to call home, young girls lining the streets selling their bodies. It's infuriating. It's disgusting. It's, it's, it's senseless. And it's so unfair. And While I believe God sees all these things, I don't believe he's okay with it. I believe it breaks his heart. I believe he has a righteous anger over these unmistakable injustices. And in my book, Awake, I write about this and I quote Jim Palmer from his book, Divine Nobodies, where he says something so powerful. He said, you'd have to be comatose not to feel God's hurt and anger ooze from the pages of scripture over the oppression of the weak and the vulnerable. I can't seem to get away from the fact that the main message of God to his people about injustice is to get off of our rear ends and do something. This goes way deeper than feeling guilty about doing more. I'm trying to figure out how I got to the place where the things that break the heart of God are so marginal to mine. I love that. So powerful. Because... Taking on issues like trafficking, cultural slavery, and the sex trade is going to take a righteous anger boiling up inside us to fight for justice and freedom. So when we're faced with some of the greatest issues and needs of our day, I think we all could stand to get a little more riled up. I believe we could all use a little more holy anger in our lives. And maybe, just maybe, that passion would make our faith a little more believable. Showing people that we don't only care about getting them to heaven, but also helping them live right now, right here on earth. The third thing, tears. You know, grief can mean so many things, but one of the words commonly associated with grief is tears. And one of the things I believe grief can give us is the gift of tears. Now, most of us don't see grief or tears as a gift. I don't really like to cry. You probably don't either. Who does? And to be honest, I don't cry all the time. If I broke down and cried every time I saw a need, well, truly, I would be a basket case all day, every day. I would never get anything done. But I do still cry. 
And maybe you are like me and you let your tears build up until you simply can't control it anymore and then they just burst out in one good ugly cry. That's me. But research shows that tears can actually be good for our health and actually enable us to see better. In fact, I read somewhere that our bodies produce gallons of tears each year. I can't remember how much, but it was amazing to me that we could produce that many tears. And I think our tears show our empathy and allow us to truly feel for another person in need. And I believe that my tears have become a gift, so to speak, a a measuring stick or a way to evaluate my heart and my motivation. My tears, although not often, prove to me that my heart is still soft, open, and able to be moved. If we want our hearts to break with the things that break the heart of God, we need the gift of tears. It is what allows us to truly see the world as God sees it. And lastly, foolishness. Foolishness, poor judgment, or a lack of common sense. I think in order for us to truly make a difference, we need just enough foolishness in our lives. Now, as a parent, this is probably the one that makes me the most nervous because the last thing I want for my son as I send him off to college is poor judgment and foolishness. But maybe just a little would do him a world of good. Because you see, by the world standards, much of what I do is foolish, or at the very least, they would say, or people would say, lacks common good sense. I leave my family and travel to remote and potentially dangerous parts of the world. I engage and help people that are considered untouchable. I speak on issues that are uncomfortable and not usually talked about. I focus on issues that at face value seem impossible to solve or even make a dent in by the world's standards. Some really think that I have poor judgment. And you know, they're probably right. Just recently, I think I proved this and something I did that probably showed (laughs) my lack of good judgment, at least in that situation. I was home in town and, and driving to meet a friend for lunch when I was flagged down by a woman on the side of the road who desperately begged me for a ride. I was taken by surprise. I was headed in the very direction she was asking to go. She wasn't asking me for money. Uh, It was a woman. I was by myself, and I just felt like I couldn't tell her no. But probably 30 seconds after letting her in my car, I realized that it was not the smartest thing I had ever done when the conversation quickly did change to wanting money. Um, I won't tell you all the details of what happened next. But once I realized she wanted money, I started to get a little nervous. I I thought, you know, what have I done? I could have handled this so differently. And all I could think of was how could I get her to, to where I was supposed to drop her off, hoping that now knowing that this was a scam, just wondering how big of a scam it was and was there other people involved. Long story short, I delivered her to where she wanted to go. And I felt very foolish, really, really foolish. Like I had just been taken literally for a ride. I mean, my husband is the judge. I should know better. And then I thought of 
all the terrible things that could have happened to me. So the point is this, I don't recommend this. And I even came home and gave my son a speech on never to do what I had just done and all the options of better ways to help. Because believe me, I've thought about of a hundred different ways I could have handled that situation differently. But here's the thing. I would rather suffer from a little foolishness than lose heart. I would rather make a poor decision for the sake of love and kindness than be smart by the world standards and let all compassion simply evaporate from my heart. Thomas Aquinas once said that fear is such a powerful emotion that when we allow it to take us over, it drives compassion right out of our hearts. So perhaps we need just enough foolishness in our lives to help us still believe in the impossible, to still believe that with God, we truly can achieve the impossible and the world can change. Discomfort, anger, tears, and foolishness. Armed with these four traits, we just might have what we need to change the world. Now this Friday, it's a special day. We're calling it Freedom Friday. It's a day that we're asking everyone to take a one-night stand for freedom to set girls free from the sex trade. And we're redeeming that phrase that has such a negative connotation of a one-night stand and using it to give girls freedom, using it to shine a light on slavery and how we all can get involved. And we're asking people to take a pledge to give up what you would have spent on entertainment on a Friday night to help set one girl free. You can find out more information about this at freedomfriday.com. But here's what I wanted to say about that. I can't help but think that as we fight for freedom, we need these four traits more than ever. Because the need in our world on most days simply feels overwhelming. And the issue of trafficking and and cultural slavery and the sex trade is no exception because this work can seem very dark and overwhelming. But here's what I have found. When we help just one girl, when we allow ourselves to be moved by discomfort, anger, tears, and foolishness, and allow ourselves to believe that we can make a difference, when we reach out to just one of these girls and set them free, we are ending this vicious cycle for years to come because that means her daughter will not go into this work and her daughter and her daughter and so on. And I can't think of any better outcome than that to be a part of saving lives for generations. That's pretty powerful. And maybe to some, that sounds like foolishness. Perhaps. But I think I'm okay with that. So today I'm going to leave you with this challenge, a special prayer. The inspiration really behind these four things we have been discussing. And a friend sent this prayer to me recently, and no one's exactly sure of its origin, but it's referred to as a Franciscan blessing and most likely attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. It's a prayer that I will pray over my son on his graduation day as I launch him out into the great big world. But I would love to pray it over you too. May God bless you with a restless discomfort about easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may seek truth boldly and love deep within your heart. May God bless you with holy anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may tirelessly work for justice, freedom, and peace among all people. 
May God bless you with the gift of tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, or the loss of all that they cherish, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and transform their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you really can make a difference in this world so that you are able, with God's grace, to do what others claim cannot be done. Thank you for tuning in today. You can visit noelleyates.com to learn more or follow along on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Noelle Yates. And to learn more about Freedom Friday and to take that pledge, visit freedomfriday.com. Until next time, may we all find ourselves awake and doing a world of good.